This is Taiwan Talk. This is Taiwan Talk on ICRT. Hello and welcome to another podcast edition of Taiwan Talk. I'm Keith Menconi. The annual Urban Nomad Film Festival kicked off over the weekend and is running until this Sunday. For the past 12 years, the Indie Film Fest has featured films from all over the world, along with a smattering of Taiwan-made productions. This week on Taiwan Talk, we're sitting down with some of the filmmakers behind the local films. And today we're speaking with the star of The Kiss of Lady X. The film premiered on Saturday at the festival and will have a repeat showing this Wednesday. Spy Thriller follows the exploits of a disgraceful former secret agent and his ragtag team as he hunts down his wife's killer. But today, we're more interested in talking about how the film was made, because it was produced right here in Taiwan as something of a weekend side project by a group made up of locals and foreigners. Joining us now is Dean Karalekis. By day, he's an editor at a patent company, but in the movie, he stars as daring secret agent Hank Barnes. He also wrote the screenplay and produced the film. Dean, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So, uh, just to start things off, I was wondering if you could a- explain a little bit about how this whole project got started, uh, how-, how this group of friends came together to make this, and where the idea for the film came from. Well, uh, we knew each other. A lot of us who were working on the program, uh, project were- knew each other from working on stage productions, you know, community theater and things like that. And then we started slowly making short films. And we entered a contest some years ago called uh, the Lady X Online Film Contest or some such thing. Uh, films from film production companies from all around the world making short films. There were like 28 entries, and we represented Taiwan, and it turns out we won. What did we win? We won the chance to make the final episode. So rather than just making a regular short film, I sat down with T.C. Lin, our director, and some of the guys who were involved in the first one, and said, let's make a, let's make a full-length movie. I said, it's crazy, but, well, you know. Here we are, several years later. Uh, it's done. It's in theaters, and hopefully people will come to see it on Saturday and on Wednesday. And uh, so I understand a lot of people were involved in, in the making of this uh, film. Can you tell us a little bit about who those people were? I mean, these weren't professional filmmakers. No, in fact, none of us is uh, really a professional filmmaker, but uh, there's so much good talent that's, uh, I think, a lot of it unfocused in Taipei. So, so all we did was we put some very creative people in a room. I mean... Uh, uh, some of the actors that worked for us, uh, Morris Harrington, he plays Milo Caprese. Uh, Rowan Hunter, who plays our villain, who, who gives Bond villains a run for their money. Uh, we had uh, uh, Josh Ferry and uh, April Langerak, who played a couple of our agents uh, on the, the team. It's, it's sort of a Mission Impossible type team of good guys rather than a lone wolf type of 007 story. And uh, they knocked it out of the park. They were fantastic. And even though no one is a professional, well, in the sense that uh, we didn't pay anyone, and uh, they, they really did an, an, an incredible job, an incredible job. So this was, a, this was a cast made up of both Taiwanese locals and uh, members of the foreign community. Uh, what, what was that kind of interaction uh, like as you made the film? Did that enrich the filmmaking process at all, to have that interaction? You know, we didn't really look at it that way. It was just a bunch of friends. So whether they happened to be Taiwanese or uh, from Australia or from Canada, we had quite a few Canadians there, uh, or the States or Britain, uh, it was just a, a group of friends, all with different backgrounds, who happened to be here in Taipei, and uh, we were work- working together on this common project. So we, there was really no difference between, you know, locals and expats. 
And could you tell us a little bit about the making of the film? I understood it. It took quite a while. I'm sure it was tough for everybody to fit this in between their actual jobs and, you know, their private life. So, uh... Uh, it took something like 10 years, I understand. Uh, what, what took so long? Well, pr- principal photography took a couple of years. It took about two years from around 2004 to, let's say, mid-2006. And that was because, you know, like you say, we did it on weekends, uh, holidays, and real life would get in the way. We'd take breaks for a month here and there and then say, hey, let's, no, let's film another scene. Uh, and uh, as you say, this is our hobby. And, and, and really more of a pleasure. I mean, we got together because we enjoyed it. Uh, we, we were making a movie, yes, that was fun, but it was a good excuse to get together and hang out and really spend time together with the movie going on in the background. This is the purpose for it. So it did take a long time, and it was, it was tough as a producer. You know, I'd have to send uncomfortable emails like, uh, okay, we're filming this weekend, could you get your hair cut like it was before? <laughs> so uh, these types of things, people didn't mind, and everyone uh, had, had the right attitude. Everyone came out, had a good time. We didn't take ourselves too seriously. Of course, we did our best to, to make a really entertaining and professional-looking production, but mostly it was just about having a good time. And for, for me, one of the things that was really striking when I watched it is, is some of the special effects really do look pretty professional, uh, some pretty impressive CGI. Can you, can you talk a little bit about how you, you made that CGI to look so good? Like I said, we don't have a lot of money for this production, so I had to teach myself some of these special effects programs that are all sort of freely available online. Again, in part-time, in between doing your, your real work, your, your full-time job, you get a couple of shots done. And eventually, I, I put together you know, the helicopter, the, the Zeppelin. The weird thing about the CGI is it did allow me to make good on some promises I had made. So, for example, we have a whole group of commandos. And when we're originally filming, we're saying to the commandos, okay, you guys are running that way, and you're going to get into a helicopter. And the commandos would say to us, hey, there's no helicopter. And I'd say, don't worry, the, the helicopter will be in there later. Now, of course, at the time, I had no idea how I was going to put that helicopter there. But... I figured, all right, one way or another, we'll, we'll figure it out later. And, and we figured it out later. So it kind of feels like the story of this film was you guys made a very bold statement. There's going to be a film here. There's going to be a helicopter here. And, uh, you know, it, it actually happened. It, uh, it did eventually happen. It did, it did take some time. But, uh, yeah, we're really happy to finally being, uh, be shown on the big screen. And uh, really, the movie itself is the side result of, of it. The, the, the real pleasure of it was just being, working together, hanging out, uh, having a good time, shooting our scenes, and the movie was a byproduct, and we're really proud that we can share it with other people. So I think that it's uh, pretty interesting that uh, a film like this could be made, so many people could get involved. Do you think that this uh, shows anything about the kind of uh, community that we have in Taiwan and about the, the, the kind of lifestyles that people are, are able to live here in Taiwan? One hundred percent. I mean, it's only because of of the community we have here, the people that we have here, and the lifestyles that we live here that we can do things like this. And this is no different from, you know, uh, you teach English during the day, but you're in a band at night, or uh, you do some community theater. We all, there's a lot of people here, very, very talented people who want a creative outlet. And so that's what this movie's about. It's just people in the community, uh, guys like you and me, who, you know, want to do something interesting, fun on the weekends. Uh, but, you know, something creative and to have something to show for it. So hopefully, my, my hope for this is is to give everyone a copy or at least a chance to buy a copy if I get a distribution deal of, of this movie on DVD. They can show it to their kids. They can show it to their families. Just something that we can be proud of.
So it it is a spy thriller. Um, for people who watch this film, uh, are they going to see anything that kind of indicates that this was a film made in Taiwan? Is it, is there is there going to be anything recognizable to residents of Taiwan? Absolutely. In fact, uh, the, a lot of the places we shot are very recognizable, uh, and and some local viewers might groan when they say, "Okay, for example, we're walking around in what's ostensibly Beijing, but it's all traditional characters up there." So this is the type of thing that other viewers, say, in North America wouldn't notice, but local viewers will definitely notice. They'll see shots of, like, the UFO village up north, for example. We use that as a backdrop. There are so many fantastic locations in and around Taipei, and uh, I think the people who live here will enjoy seeing some of these spots. So how did Urban Nomad end up being the world premiere of this film? Urban Nomad, uh, Sean and Dave and the guys who run Urban Nomad have been super supportive of this whole project and, and super patient because, as we talked about, it's taken us a while to actually finish the project. Uh, and, and we've wanted to get this into Urban Nomad because it's, we're, we're friends with them, they're friends with us. It's, it's, it's more of the, as I discussed earlier, the way this was more of a friends getting together to have a fun and to make a project kind of thing. Urban Nomad is very much a part of that. So we're, we're stoked, actually, that we got into Urban Nomad as our world premiere. So you're talking about uh, like this kind of creative group that's come together. And um, for people that are, are interested in seeing other things that this creative bunch is working on, uh, what, what, what else is there in store? Uh, well, for us, we're just going to take a break. <laughs> we're not working on any more films, but the members of our cast... They're always working. T.C. T.C. Lin, our director, is uh, incredibly prolific. He's a writer. He's a photographer. Uh, in fact, he, he's an interesting cat. He actually immigrated to Taiwan and was one of the only white guys that I ever heard of who served in their military here. He just wrote a book about his experiences, uh, which I think just came out this week or last week. It's available on camphorpress.com. Really interesting read and a, really a good friend of mine. The film is The Kiss of Lady X. We've been speaking to its star, Dean Karalakis. Dean, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Keith. The film premiered on Saturday at the Urban Nomad Film Festival and will have a repeat showing this Wednesday. You can learn more about the film at poagao.com. Up next, we're going to be talking to the makers of Gleaning for Intimacy, a film about the preservation effort launched to save the remnants of a community located at the foot of Toad Mountain in Taipei. Pinsy Jung is an experimental filmmaker with a background in architectural design, and Nicholas Colson is a master's student at National Taiwan University's Graduate Institute of Sociology. I sat down with both of them recently. Thank you both so much for joining us. Thank you. Nice to be here. Thank you for coming. So could you tell us a little bit about uh, the village itself, its history, and uh, how it came to have this preservation movement spring up around it? The village is an accident of uh, history, essentially. When the nationalists were defeated by the communists in the Chinese Civil War and they uh, retreated to Taiwan, they brought over with them a million people and many of them soldiers. And um, they had to build their houses around the edges of the city, so like on the mountainsides, by the rivers... And uh, there are countless military dependence villages in, in Taiwan. And they, they built these communities very rapidly themselves, the military veterans, and have lived in there ever since. So this community, Toad Mountain, 
This community has been there for about 40 years and um, basically mostly veterans from China who, were, who grew up in China and their second generation and their third generation. But it's also became like a cheaper place for kind of migrants to Taipei to survive. So there's a lot more maybe indigenous people in that village as well and students even. So with the rapid development of Taipei, communities like this were starting to be urban renewed basically, destroyed, pulled down to bring in more modern uh, communities and um, this community was about a year and a half ago or it was declared by the, uh, the school. We're talking about National Taiwan University of Science and Technology that um, I understand they own the land that it's on, is that right? Yeah, they own the land that it's on whilst the military owns the houses that remain there. So they had basically said, okay, we're now going to just demolish the village to build some campus uh, buildings build some dormitories for their students. And so then there was a, a, a huge response from people who wanted to preserve those buildings, is that right? Yep, so uh, one of the residents there, uh, Lin Dingjie, who is a documentary filmmaker, but he'd been living there for a few years, and Dingjie, with the support of um, students from the Graduate Institute of Building and Planning at, uh, at Taida, they together, they basically kicked off the, uh, okay, let's, let's save this, save Toad Mountain. So how would, you, how would you characterize the documentary that you made? How would you describe it to somebody who hasn't seen it? For us, this film was kind of like an exploration. And rather than being direct, like uh, informational or pure activists in the sense of taking on an issue, fate decided that we, we just joined this adventure. We got to know the land. We got to know by taking action, we got to feel an affinity with the land, an intimacy with the local community through our interactions with them. So, and the film is basically, eventually we just decided, no, we, we shouldn't take on all the, uh, the information side. Uh, we, should, we should just show this for what, what it was for our, from our experience, which was looking for something in marginal spaces, in spaces which are very different, these different communities, different lifestyles. We were exploring and we were getting a feeling for that. And in that process, we were questioning, for ourselves, I think a very profound question, which is there's a psychological alienation of sorts related to modernity or the modern layout of the city. We're essentially, we're looking for something which is kind of more true to, to ourselves, and that's, that's got to come from your own experience. So in the film, it discusses something along the lines of this, this village still has a, a part of Taipei's history, a part of Taiwan's history that uh, people don't think about so much. Um, when, when you guys were exploring this city, what do you think you found there that you feel like would be a big loss if people didn't preserve and people didn't try to make an effort to remember? What, what would be the loss there? Because I study architecture, you know, and usually in the city, if you want to see the history, if you are in the city, you want to see history, you can sometimes tell us from the design of the architecture. But actually in Taiwan, there are it's difficult to find how it, how it comes, how it goes, because there are so many paths broke people tore down things already and also like um, I'm Taiwanese but uh, there are still a lot of Japanese historical building maybe Aboriginal style things or American style I mean the hidden in the history on the street but if we don't really care about that or we don't know this kind of history and people don't recognize it and they don't care about it. So they think it can just disappear. But if they just take all these kind of things away and you will never have a complete uh, line 
in your background, like who you are, who are you from? So uh, you, you were just talking about this right now, but uh, what do you feel like we lose when we lose that connection to our history? When we lose, I guess here we're talking about physical connections and, and physical memory. What do you feel like we lose when we leave that behind? I feel blank in my brain. Yeah, because Taiwanese are quite, not weird, like but special e- existence. I mean, people think Taiwanese are maybe connected to China, but I have never been to China. I've, I've been studying their history, geography, but I'm not China for sure because... I have no connection. So this kind of things is like how 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 can tell people that I am a Taiwanese, but my my brain is like blank. And um, kind of like the, like the title says, right? This gleaning in these leftover spaces for this intimacy, a place to call home. Like she can't really describe her history. There's a a rupture uh, with uh, something which is very important to to all people, and this is this connection, this connection with your past, this connections to things you know. Taipei is constantly at a very rapid speed being uh, urban renewed. Communities are uprooted. Everyone's moved out. And then uh, a new group of people who don't have any connection to each other move in. And this is kind of one of the psychological problems of a lot of people in the city. Yeah, and this this community, they had managed to uh, find this intimacy again. Is there any way that you feel like the uh, the aim of the film project and the aim of the the preservation movement uh, links up in any way with what the people behind the Urban Nomad Film Festival are, are trying to work for? Urban Nomad's uh, speciality or its niche was they really wanted to bring to light these interesting different underground urban lifestyles. Also to bring to light things which are not shown normally in the mainstream media so they're nomad explorers of uh, different cities but they're also like uh, exploring within the city these different communities the film is gleaning for intimacy we've been speaking with the filmmakers nicholas colson and pinty jung the film premiered over the weekend at the urban nomad film festival you can find it on youtube just search for taipei mountain city Thanks for listening to Taiwan Talk. As always, we'd love to hear what you thought of today's program. You can leave us a comment on our Facebook page or rate and review Taiwan Talk on iTunes. This helps us bring you the kind of shows you want to hear and makes it easier for other people to discover the program. For ICRT, I'm Keith Manconi.